Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and I want to welcome you to the Game Changers podcast hosted by Michelle Dutrell. I personally cannot speak more highly of the value of mentorship, and this podcast will bring you some of the best. If you want some inspiration back with strategy of how to make your vision a reality, stay tuned and prepare to ignite. Welcome everybody to the Game Changer podcast. I'm really fired up today to be talking to somebody, and this is not for the first time. In fact, I think it was a week ago that Jeff and I last spoke on his podcast, Vroom Vroom Veer. If you follow me at all on social media, you have seen plenty of links to that, but I will link to it again today in show notes. So this is our second round as we were just talking, doing a sound check. I said, this will be cool. It's going to be kind of part two of our conversation to which he said, let me just let you know, Michelle, that I am going to record this in case you completely fall apart on your end. So obviously he has listened to my Thursday podcast to know that in fact, things do go wrong. So I appreciate the backup. So that being said, let me tell you a little bit about Jeff Smith. He is a retired United States Air Force Master Sergeant. Again, if you have followed me at all, you know I also was in the Air Force. I didn't make it past four years. I don't think they would have me, so obviously he's well ahead of me in that regard. He since then has done a variety of work, mostly in information technology, again, an area that we share in complete commonality. He uh, started the podcast Vroom Vroom Veer, which I just mentioned in May of 2015, that captures stories when life can veer in a new and interesting way. What is really cool that we're going to talk about is he's also spent time as a massage therapist or certainly gone to school for that. We also have alternative wellness or medicine in common. And so it's odd that our lives have been in such parallel. And if there's somebody that I honestly could sit and chat with for hours, it absolutely would be Jeff. So with that, as we are going to do a deep dive into what it is to have a game-changing mindset Jeff, is there anything that I left out that our audience should know about you before we get underway? You didn't say I wear boxers, but other than that, I think you covered them all. See, and I thought it was assumed that you wore briefs, but okay. <laughs> I thought you were okay, maybe I just assumed they read the about me page about you, but okay, cool, cool. Yeah, so there's that. So folks, no, this you, is how this conversation is going to go. So buckle up, be ready. This is what the next half hour is going to be. All right. We're going to start lobbing them at each other. I think. Yes, we are. Yes. And truth be told, so on his podcast, he wrote to me right after and said, thanks for interviewing me on my show. That's right. So turn Turnaround's fair play. So whatever is going to come up for the next 30 minutes, like I said, I'm all in. So with that, this is, as people may know, I split this show into two categories, people that I find are game changers and people who are experts in the field of having a game changing mindset. And so as we spoke last week, I said, so if we were to narrow this down of what you consider to be game changing for you, that really is a mindset that is imperative that one has. He said, you know, that would be in the area of responsibility and not being a victim. I jumped all over that because there are few topics that matter more to me than that. I think not just in business, but in life, the second we can drop our story and walk away from that and truly take responsibility for every single thing that shows up good, bad, or indifferent is when our life truly and wholly changes. So that's, what's going to be the backdrop of today's conversation. So parking that on the side, just knowing that that's where we're headed, Jeff, obviously I've said you were in the military, you have worked mainly in IT, and then you got into school as a massage therapist, and now you're a podcaster. 
obviously lots of twists and turns. I'm curious if you could go back in the day, were you clear about what you wanted to do? Or did you just have an adventurous spirit of saying, I'm just going to ride the wave of whatever that is? What was that for you back in the day? Oh, that's a great question. <clears throat> Let's see. I would say no. I still, at some point, I just decided to be me. And because I had already been being me for a while and I was pretty good at it. But as far as like knowing what it is that I'm here to do, job wise anyway, no, I think I did make a decision about it, but it was really rather late in life. Like I told you on when you were on my show, right? When I had totally made up my mind not to join the Air Force. Remember that story? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> and then, you know, I was like, okay, I'm showed up to tell the recruiter, you know, I've signed up to go to college and this is, sounds like a really good deal. It's just not for me. But my recruiter wasn't there that day and his master sergeant, very smooth talker boss was, and he told me everything I wanted to hear, you know, like you need to get out of Dodge. You need to have an adventure. The Air Force is a blast. And, you know, you got to get out of this one horse town. Come on. You know, and I totally got suckered in on that. And then I kind of had an idea that I wanted to work with computers and I didn't want to work shift work. Th those were sort of like my the bumpers on the uh, on the bowling alley of life for me going into the Air Force. That was about it. Got it. So <laughs> that makes sense. So that being said, it does. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so going back, obviously, this is not what somebody would say. My ultimate goal is to become a massage therapist. So I think I'll join the Air Force. <laughs> Right, that's that's not a typical trajectory, no, and for no. twenty years, no less, right? Yeah, I like to do those things, like just to have good stories. I think. I, okay, fair enough. Really? Fair enough. Yeah. So, so when you got out and being faced with, okay, what's next? How many things were you really contemplating, and did you have absolute clarity as soon as you retired of saying this is what the next phase of my life is going to be? You know, no, I didn't. At some point, it's funny because my last assignment in the Air Force was here in LA and it started in 2003. I moved from England to here in 2003 and I knew I was going to retire at this base, right? And I had huge amount of anxiety until about maybe two years before I officially retired in the beginning of 08. So maybe like 06, 05, I just let all the pressure off. I was like, whatever I do next is fine. Don't know what that's going to be. Maybe I'll work a little contractor gig. But I had no set agenda or goal. I really kind of wanted to do something completely different. I sort of wanted to be Wayne Dyer, you know, like a speaker, but spiritual and funny. But, you know, I haven't figured that one out yet, but I'm working on it. At least I'm talking instead of blogging. So what I did was I went right into another job. So you know how sometimes when, well, you weren't around to retire, but Got it. a lot of times <laughs> what happens when you retire from the military is there's all these government contractors that you work right next to. So one of those guys had a job for me, but he didn't think I would take it because the salary was kind of on the lower side. And and then I looked at the job and I was like, well, you know, that's that's in the range of livability for me. Let's do that job, you know? And that ended up, that was like a year and a half. And then I did that one more time. And these were both sort of related to IT. It was kind of like a combination of IT and Air Force experience required for those jobs and a security clearance. So that's what I did for like the first three years after I got out of the military. So from 08 to 2000, 
11, let's say. But also at the same time, I was doing personal development workshops a lot. And I was telling everybody at these workshops how much I hated these jobs that I had. Right. <laughs> you know what happens when you do that, right? When you get up on stage and say, I really hate my job and I want to quit, but my wife won't let me. <laughs> you start sounding a little bit like a victim. I do know exactly what that sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So of course they just told me, shut up and quit your job. So eventually I negotiated with my wife forever and she tacitly agreed that it would be okay with her that I quit my job and I immediately did. And then she went, no, I didn't mean no. <laughs> I meant eventually when we have enough savings and a safety right, net. Right. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Right, right, right. So she was like, she couldn't argue, but she was shocked. So that's when that veer took me to, I had three years of post 9-11 GI Bill, which was the education thing for GIs after 9-11. And it was amazing. So not only do they, they paid 100% of tuition, they gave you like a $1,000 book stipend and 36 months of BAH, that's housing allowance, just, you know, for going to school. And when you're in LA, that's, that's a nice chunk of change. So not only could I go to school for free for three years, I could get paid to do so. So that's what I did. <laughs> it was a blast. So for a year and a half, I did a, I had already had enough credits for like taking college classes while I was in the Air Force. And then I had about the first two years of college done, maybe a little bit more than that. So it only took me about a year and a half to finish a bachelor's degree in psychology so then I had another year and a half of those benefits left. So I was like looking around and that's where I was like, hmm, you know, massage is kind of woo-woo-ish. You know, I might learn something about Reiki or something or Chinese medicine. And I did. And it was, it was awesome fun. So that was kind of where my head was at. I need to spend this money. What might be fun? So tell us, are you utilizing any of those educational skills now? Well... Yes, for sure. I mean, how can you not use psychology? Not for jobs. Correct. <laughs> not for jobs. Here's the thing with the psychology thing was I went to the University of Phoenix and, you know, think about that what you will. But one of the good things about the University of Phoenix for their professors is they all are required to be working in the field. They can't be full-time professors. So they all had jobs in and around LA doing psychology as their job. So some of them were in the education system, say like working for the county in the school system. One of the ladies had done that for years and now she had her own private practice consulting in the school system. So she would advocate for kids that were getting screwed over by the system. Another lady was in an actual no kidding county clinic in Orange County. So all of these folks were there and presenting these classes, but at the same time, they were also presenting their job as one avenue you could do if you decided to get a career in psychology. And it didn't take me that long. It wasn't even all the way to the end that I was like, I don't want any of these jobs. <laughs> it was just too governmenty, if you know what I mean. I do. Yeah. So... Yeah. Is there a follow-up question there? Yeah. So riddle me this. So out of all of that experience, what was probably the greatest takeaway that you had, whether that's 
wow, I have a lot more clarity of what I want to do, or I have a lot more clarity of what I don't want to do. You know, my thing is always about the why. And I think we go into something thinking that we know what our why is, and then we go through it. And then in hindsight, it's, you know, this is what I thought I was in this for, but you know, my takeaway really is a whole different thing. So in hindsight, looking back, what's the greatest takeaway you have of going to school for psychology? Obviously, you're not a clinical psychologist. You didn't choose to go down that road. So what was your biggest takeaway look back as to why that actually fell into your path? It's a toughie. You know, I think more than anything, my clarity on that was it was worthwhile doing. You don't really learn a lot, though, doing a bachelor's degree in psychology, just because they're, each class is more like advertising for a master's or a doctorate that you might get, right? Right. So I never got that far. What I kind of learned and take as my takeaway mainly out of that was that if I were to do anything in psychology, in the field of psychology, it would be positive psychology. Have you, have you ever heard of that? I have. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that is sort of like this new field, and it's kind of like psychology trying to get into the coaching business and using all of the tools that are formidable, you know, save the drugs, because that's a, a different thing altogether, but just psychology but not for people that we would label necessarily as sick. Right. But people that want to go from good to way better. Right. 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 And, and it's a different lineup of forward thinking versus lay on this couch and talk to me about why your childhood was so messed up. Yeah. Right. right. Yes. And, you know, and there's, there's obviously merit and value to all those different disciplines, but you know, at the end of the day, a lot of times you really don't need to know why. <laughs> right. Sometimes you do. I don't want to, I don't want to make that like a not thing, but you know, there's this line, you don't want to like certain sorts of therapy are all about, we're never really going to fix you because you're going to keep paying me if we just dig deeper. Right. And yeah. so on your behalf, <laughs> uh, because I don't have my degree in psychology, so I will take that making that a not thing is, and I, and I play this out with folks all the time is, okay, so let's pretend we dig back and we find out exactly who, when, and how, how will your life now be different? So if you know that it was, you know, Fred on the 17th back in the day that did whatever to you, we're still here now and we still have to get to tomorrow and next week and next year. So what will the betterment of that be? Totally. Because either which way, right, it's whether you know or don't know or assign whatever that deal is, we still have to say, okay, interesting. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's interesting information, right. but we still have to go on, yeah. right? And you still have to say, and here's what my life's meaning is going to have, regardless. Otherwise, you continue to turn power over, which is what right. we're getting ready to segue into. We turn power over to other things and other people other than our own true inherent power that we have in our own ability to make something of our life, no matter what our past looks like. Amen. Period. Here. So with that, my dear, tell me, well, and I think that you and I are just sitting here on the phone chatting. So there's a few, there's a few other people. There, yeah. There's a few other people listening from around the world. So, so this topic that you chose, which is what we're kind of dancing around right now, which is truly taking responsibility for all things and not playing the role of the victim. First stop is why did you choose this topic to talk about today? I just think it's huge. I think it's like, you know, you talk about your boulders and your pebbles. And if I had to count my boulders, that would be one of them. 
there's lots, you know, but that's a really big one. And it's almost like, you know, I didn't want to believe that to tell you the truth. It just wouldn't go away. You know, it was one of these things that I don't remember the first place I heard it. You know, it was probably in the self-help field. I wish I kind of tried to remember to see if there was a really good story where I found out or heard of this idea of, you know, you have to accept 100% responsibility for everything that shows up in your experience. That is kind of a wild, wacky idea before it enters your consciousness because it's like we're brainwashed to blame everything, right? Why? I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. Right. Why we do that. I did learn some stuff working in schools, but why did I pick this? Uh, it's just huge. I mean, it just it has so many tendrils that are going to go into the future. If you want to look back, you can do that. There's great stories that build up to it and then build up to it and then as a consequence of it. And it just put me in such a better place. I'll tell a story about how I went through a bout of depression and some suicide attempts when I was a younger man, like in my early 20s. And I think part of those, I don't want to get too deep into that because that's, you know, that's a bit of a downer. But I think part of that depression state was sort of like this, this loop that I had in my brain that I'm not exactly sure where it came from. It doesn't really matter. But it had something to do with, well, I never asked to be born. So nothing that happens to me is my fault. It's not very empowering, that loop. But there it was, right? So after that depression and those suicide attempts and, you know, and coming back and surviving and getting back onto life, that guy was still around. And I noticed that I wasn't necessarily depressed anymore, but I was still blaming and most of that blame was going at my wife. So my problems were her fault. That's when, that's kind of like the, the blame game, right? It's like, it's not me, it's the other person. So, you know, then that all happened still while I was really relatively young, you know? So like I got married when I was 23, I was kind of over the depression, but then in my late twenties, early thirties, I was still blaming a lot. But then, you know, flash forward to, you know, it's hard to say exactly when I picked this up, when I started reading the self-helpy books, probably shortly after I got here. So like around 2003, 2004, that's when I started seeing these things about, you know, taking responsibility a hundred percent. And that included so many, you know, if you, you, you start to swallow the idea, you know, it's a big idea. You kind of have to rethink a lot of things to make that, to test it, to experiment whether or not it's true. Am I making sense? No, you totally are. No, yeah. No, no, no. You are. I'm, I'm just trying <laughs> okay, to, I'm good. tracking this conversation because in every paragraph that you're talking through, I'm going to go back and start asking you questions about it. So hey, no, dive no. in whenever you want yeah, to. No, no, no. Keep going. This is uh, okay. because, because we're at a pivotal point here. And it's a significant one where you're saying, you know, up until this point, it was, it was everybody else's fault to include your wife mainly. And then yeah. whether it's the vehicle of, you know, podcasts or books or seminars that you start hearing a different way of thinking. And I'll tell you that shift is such a huge one it is. because it's so much easier and so much more convenient for it to be someone else's fault. Amen. 
Oh, yeah. So That's why, why I didn't in the want to world, believe it. <laughs> exactly. So was it like a flip of a switch? Was it over a period of time? Why in the world would you ever choose, actively choose to say, you know what? This is actually now on me. It always has been. It always will be. This is on me. Do, do you remember in that phase of life what happened there? Because uh, like I said, it's a pivotal point that is what I consider and why I'm assuming you chose this. It's a game changer. It is totally a game changer. And I have to actually take a step back because the moment that comes to mind was related to an idea that was more existential. If you don't mind going there. Nope. Don't keep mind going? going there. No, okay. keep going. Keep going. <laughs> so, so this corollary idea of the Buddhist idea of everything being an illusion, right? Right. So I got into that for a while and then I started reading the Eckhart Tolle books and Deepak Chopra books and basically to boil it all down, it was like the thing that you are, this, this person, I think Eckhart Tolle talks about the bucket or the basket, right? That you call you, that identity is not real, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And there is a real you, there is a real right. you. And I don't want to label it too much, but it's not the right. bucket. <laughs> so, right. So it's like this concept, this idea, right, that we make up and, you know, that goes along with everything that we need for our earthright. And it's not thoroughly unfake. I don't want to woo-woo this. It's just that when I first had it, it was like a game-changing moment for me. So when I accepted that, that, that I was this thing that wasn't, all these labels that I was putting on my basket inside my head and that my past and all my stuff and my attributes and characteristics and, you know, goofy laugh and stupid beard, all these things, not me. Right. So that I swallowed that in a moment, like in a flash, I think I was driving. It was kind of disconcerting. <laughs> <laughs> well, mainly for those around you, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. 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 That I'm not real. Right. I'm just, yeah, I'm, well, I am, but not this thing. This thing that I thought I was, I'm Correct. not, was, yeah. So then like a pachinko sort of parlor machine thingy, all the different balls and rocks and stuff started to fall into place because that implied that there was some sort of intention previous to birth on my part. Yes. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Trust me. So that's, yes. that's how I got to, oh, it is my fault. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's my and doing. That, it's my doing. That's my, it's my responsibility. That's right. I did it. Yes. That's right. It's, it's the handshaking itself. That's right. It's the, it's the ice cream cone licking itself. Right. 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 It's just kind of gross image. Sorry. No, nope. <laughs> no, that's all right. And so, wow. I'm looking at the time here of this. Honestly, I could, I could talk to you on this specific topic for hours because now we get into belief structures and, and certainly on a surface level, just keeping this as simple as we can and high level is identity. And I've had many podcasts on this topic, uh, especially around veterans and returning veterans or, or retired, you know, whether it's military police officers, firefighters is when that identity is gone for whatever reason. 
Oh, all yeah. of a sudden we lose ourselves because we were that label. We were that thing. And it takes Amen. it takes a bit of fortitude to realize that not only are you not that thing, but you were never that thing. You were never right. that label, right? Right, right. And 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 it's certainly a whole nother step to get into of if you you know, just for the sake of argument, anything that you're going through right now, no matter what it is, if you could imagine back in the day sitting on a cloud. And you're kind of negotiating your life, right? With God, yeah. an angel, whatever you want it to be. It does not matter to me. But just imagine you're negotiating your life and you say, here's the deal. I would like to end this thing that is happening on earth because I don't think it's for the betterment of humanity. And then the response is, wow, well, that's going to be a fairly significant life. And you say, well, that's what I'm signing up for. And then it's, well, okay, if that's what you want to do and you really want to contribute to that degree, you're probably going to need to have these experiences in order to be strong enough to see that through, mm. which means you're going to need to have these type of parents, these types of siblings or not. Maybe you need to be in foster care, right? right? I don't, whatever that prescriptive is of saying, if your end game is this, then the writing on the wall for you to have the character and the stamina and the perseverance means this has got to be your job background. This has got to be your familial background. This has got to be probably your financial background in order for that to come to fruition. And some of these things, by the way, are going to be insanely difficult and challenging. Right. So before we send you down, are you sure? Amen. And you have to sign. You, you got to sign. And so, and that's yeah. it, right? Or, or you just say, Hey, here's the gig in every other lifetime. I've worked my tail off. So here's what I'm doing this time. Not, I'm not chilling. that. Right. And right. that's cool too, but not that I'm right. not doing that. This girl, I'm not, I'm not going to be the warrior chief, right? right? I'm just going to be chilling. I'm going to plant a garden and I'm going to call it a day in this lifetime. And that's cool too, because right. all of that, right. Is prescribed. So when I talk to people and I hear these really crazy over the top stories of what their life has been, my automatic genuine response is, wow, you sure did sign up for a life of significance. Yeah. Because you don't go through all of that for nothing. nothing. Right. It's to say, okay, now that you've, and it is a choice, although I understand for a lot of people listening right now, this may be a really difficult concept, but if in fact you have gone through this, in my terminology, you have chosen to go through all of this, what can we imagine would be the end game, would be the result, would be the benefit for many others for the fact that you chose to endure this on your own for the benefit of everybody else and to not see that to fruition that's really where the, that's that's really the unfortunate part right well, is you're to not, not doing step anybody back. any favors because that's you're just right. going to want to do it when you come back again well, well <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah yeah in certain philosophical beliefs that's exactly right is you're going to repeat sure. it until you get well, it right well, who but, knows, but, really, but to stand right. back and say in this lifetime it can't possibly be that you went through all of that just for the sake of going through all that no, right? you're right. Yeah. And, and it's right. kind of that line. Your message is you went through all of that. So what's the messaging around that? What, what have you gone through so that so many others don't have to? And see that there's a, there's a worthy little trip to take. If you want to go through your past. Oh, absolutely. That is a worthy trip to go and try to find the breadcrumbs. What, what is that? To your purpose. That's right. right. And it's all there. Yeah. It's every right. one of us. It's, it's whether or yeah. not we're going to take the and time it's, to, it's to weave that common your, thread. Yeah. I call those buried treasures because they're usually the most painful things too. Right. Not always. Right. Not but they always, can be. You know, and and, and by the be. way, if you take the time, you'll start to realize that the whole of your life 
is commonality. Although it may show up in different aspects or different pictures or different ways, there is a commonality where you can say, clearly this common thread was an active choice I made back in the day so that I could get exactly to where I want to go. And to not pay attention to that or not have enough mindful awareness to step back in self-reflection and say, what is this all about? That's really unfortunate. Well, in my experience, I start getting smacked around by myself, which is kind of weird. And yeah, like, like you, you know, carry it around a rubber arm or what does that no, mean? No, no. Like, let's see. I got, I've been living in LA forever, right? Since 2003. And at, right after I was getting done with, or right as I was getting done with massage school, I was in my first, well, actually two, the second of three car accidents. Now, two, no big deal. The first one was my fault. The second one was eerily strange, could have killed me. And the only reason I'm responsible, it was because I was there. Okay. So I was driving along and somebody decided to text while they were, sure. you know, going 90 and I was going 65 <laughs> and just rear-ended me, you know, totaled my car. I totally could be dead. Mm -hmm. Right. So those are the sorts of things mm -hmm. that I pay attention to now. Like, whoa, I, what, what, right. what, you know, I, I didn't know, right. but okay. Maybe it was, you know, you're screwing around, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> get back on task. And then after I did the massage school, I was working on my podcast and to, you know, kind of bring in some money just for mama shoe money. Basically I was driving for Lyft, L-Y-F-T, their Uber competitor. Sure. I was driving from my house in Torrance to Santa Monica yep. where for that time I was uh, aiming to start my drive day just because I could get right there. And I was sideswiped by a tinker truck. So that would, that was, you know, another, Hey, you know, and the funny thing was I was getting really good at the whole insurance thing, but somewhere um, along the line, as I'm calling the tow truck and getting the car all set it up and digging it to the auto body, I was like, wow, I can't work today. And I was like, woohoo. There you go. <laughs> right? There and then I was go. like, I can't work for another six weeks. Woohoo. There you it go. Time. It was time to quit driving for Lyft. That's right. When you're that excited not to do a job. That's right. It's You shouldn't be doing that job. That's what, well, that was the message very clearly. And, and the universe does. It always shows up, <laughs> right. right, with very clear messaging of pay attention to what your reaction is to things because the message right. lies in that. There you go. And, and if you don't get it, as you and I both know, the universe just shows up more frequently and much more hard the next right. time. Yes. Yeah. And it sounds like you didn't need much allowed. more of that. That's right. <laughs> that is exactly right. More damaging. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So my dear, as, and I said this to you on your podcast, I could keep this going for hours on end. This really is one of the more fascinating topics for me of how things show up and why, and really paying attention and being mindful to them. But that being said, as we wrap this up, if you could really step back and through everything we're talking about, if you're talking to somebody and saying, hey, based on everything that I know, if I were to give your listeners one piece of advice, just one piece of life advice, what would that be? Floss. Yes. <laughs> now, yeah, for sure, for floss. Sure. Now, I can keep going, but I would say, let's see, taking 100% accountability for your life is pretty hard. So you might not want to start there, but, you know, think about it. And what might help you think about it would be a mindfulness practice. So probably the mindfulness practice. Would be the best advice. I think so. I mean. I wouldn't argue it. If I were to get like a gigantic billion dollar, say like lottery win, 
Yes. I would put it all into one of those charitable trust dealies for mindfulness education and just give it to like public schools and stuff. Fantastic. I, I think yeah. that's great advice. Because I think it's like the best. I mean, it's the beginning and the end of, of waking up to a, a much wider world. Exactly right. And, <laughs> and it's not just yeah. something you do on occasion, right? It truly is. It's a way no, of life. It's a no, way no, of no. being. And it, yeah, it's another thing. I get smacked around now when I stop doing my practice. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess I'm, my feet are getting closer to the fire. I have to do some stuff now. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> that being said, oh, we could talk for hours. That being said, final question of the day, based on everything you know, your entire journey up till this point, what do you absolutely believe to be true? You're not going to like it. Mm, let's see. Well, I've got one answer and I'll have a backup just in case. So absolutely true is a hard one for me. Throw them at me. Because one of my bedrocks is, I think it was like Aristotle talking to the Oracle of Delphi. And he said something to the effect of, he's the wisest man of all the land. This is the Oracle talking now. And he said that all he knows is he's, he knows nothing. So I believe in an absolute truth, you know, and a spiritual absolute truth. I just... Have you ever heard the thing about Rumi? Rumi said, there's a field beyond all evil doing and good doing. I'll meet you there. That's my absolute truth, that field. I don't label it anything other than that, but it's beyond our concepts of good and bad. And you think I wouldn't like that? All right. I just think you'd like the part about the, all I know is I know nothing. Well, one of my, one of my favorite of quotes is an Albert <laughs> Einstein quote, which is, uh, the I more know. I know, the more I realize I don't know. There you go. It it's is true. true. That is, that, ab that is yeah. an absolute truth, right? You're right. Yeah. There you go. We can know something about yes, absolute we, truth. We don't know much about it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I absolutely yeah. <laughs> uh, buy into that. Okay. That was A. Did you have a B? Did you have a fallback to that or no? Uh, well, the roomy Got thing you. The All right. I'm with you. Yeah. I just went into it just because because you're you're good okay. at being quiet. I'm li listening. <laughs> yes, listening. That's I try yeah. to whenever possible actually listen to, to my guests. So. It. Yes. So no, I, you know, I Good loved call. talking with you on your show. There are going to be links to which let me back this up because I referenced it, but not as directly as I should have. So because this is going to be in show notes, my dear, if people would love to know more about you and what you're up to, how can they find out about whatever it is you are doing? You can go to vroomvroomveer.com and check out my podcast. And Perfect. It, there's a shortcut URL too, if you're into those, if you're all into brevity, like the dude, it's yes. triple B double E R dot com. There it is. And all of that will be on show notes. So you can check it out and go back because by the time this comes out, I was on his show a couple weeks ago. He's got a lot of really fantastic guests. So you've got to check this podcast out, check out what he's doing, check out the website so that if Jeff has got some new and amazing things coming up, you'll be the first one to know about it. So Yay. With that, yes, thank you so very much for your time. I love talking with you. I could for hours, like I said, and really, honestly, thank you so much for your this time. This has been a blast. Thank you so much, Michelle. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks for listening in on this episode of the Game Changers podcast. The next step is to hit the subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode or any of our incredible guests. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.